to DC Cinematic Minutes, the daily podcast in which we analyze Suicide Squad by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate. I am Alessandro Maniscalco. I'm a co-contributor to the JLU Podcast, which you can follow on Twitter at JLU Podcast. And you can find me on Vero or on Twitter at Raverin. We actually completed our own scene-by-scene analysis of Suicide Squad and just recently wrapped up our scene-by-scene analysis of Wonder Woman. Now we've moved on to Justice League. And with that, I'd just like to add to everyone out there asking for the Snyder Cut, keep fighting the good fight. Hashtag release the Snyder Cut. And that is how you promote. Yeah, yeah, take note. <laughs> Guests, take, a, take pointers from that. Take that as a lesson. That is how you promote your show. You guys do great work over at the JLU podcast, Thank you. and you are um, you are not only a past guest of yep. this show for Man of Steel. You talked about Superman in his first flight scene, which is a very powerful scene, and then you also joined us in Dawn of Justice to talk about uh, Lex Luthor's intro scene. So it was the first time Lex Luthor was introduced in the film. We got to talk about him and his little scientist plans. Um, but now this time, we're going to be talking about Suicide Squad. And although I know you are very passionate about the the main storyline of the DC Cinematic Universe, which is the Justice League, um, are you as passionate about Suicide Squad? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, uh, I thought the movie was garbage the first time I saw it. I saw it again. It solidified my opinion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> solidified garbage. Got it. Uh, I watched it again uh, months and months ago, and it it improved a little more, uh, mainly because we were doing our scene by scene analysis of it, mm-hmm. so I was able to pick it apart more. But um, I mean, it I always felt like the the general vibe of the movie it was a little disorganized. Like there's one part that supposed to be like a twist, but it ends up not being a twist because mm-hmm. they reveal mm-hmm. it earlier. So, you know, it just seems a little, uh, little everywhere, not very concise. Do you think if you saw a different version of the way this film was cut, do you think it would improve how much you like it? Or do you think you just, like in general, you're just not, not about it because it's not part of the, the main storyline? No, I think, I, I think they did some cool, they had some cool ideas. They did some cool things with the characters. Mm-hmm. I think, uh. I think, honestly, I think the editing could have made this movie so much better. So I think another cut, a different cut of this movie would improve it greatly. Do you think, um, what was I trying to say? Um, were you excited about this film before it came out? Were you, were you, you know, interested in seeing it at all? Or were you always kind of like, were you going into it not expecting much? Well, I was excited because, you know, I... It followed the coattails of Dawn of Justice, and mm-hmm. you know that had me really excited about the DC Cinematic Universe in general. So yeah, I was looking forward to the movie. The uh, the backlash of Dawn of Justice had no effect on the upcoming film. Like you you left that theater seeing Dawn of Justice, you were excited about the way it came out, and none of the cr- criticisms of Dawn of Justice bothered you going uh, into Suicide Squad at all. Not at all, and uh, you know most people follow me and you guys would know how I I believe Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice was epic and masterpiece so you know I was sort of reeling from the excitement of that film 
Um, notice I call that a film and this a movie. But, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah. So, you know, I was I was all, I was excited and I, you know, I looked forward to seeing how it might tie in a little bit. I knew it wasn't going to be completely tied in with that, you know, that main storyline. But, you know, I was curious to see how they would sort of connect them. And, you know, right from the, the first few minutes of the movie, I was kind of excited, you know, seeing uh, the morning of Superman and then uh, and really really lost me halfway through it, I think it went downhill greatly halfway through but the first half itself also was a, a bit of a mishmash yeah I think uh, for most people even though they didn't like this film some some of the things that do bring people back into saying yeah that part was cool is just seeing how this film did tie to the rest of the universe you know like the morning of Superman like how does everyone else view that um seeing gotham seeing batman and how they relate to the characters in this movie like that was always something that people were still very interested in and being part of the dc cinematic unit universe alone uh was reason enough for some people to like i guess forgive this film for the way it turned out like at the end of it all like they still got another film within the universe and they were they could be somewhat happy about these scenes at least being filmed and whatnot um, but today we're going to be talking specifically about minute 36 of Suicide Squad, which is going to start with Enchantress, who is now um, defined as our, our villain of the film. Um, she has... Is she? You gotta... I'll... You... Pump your brakes. <laughs> Maybe you should rephrase that. Because at least for me... You're still not... Dude, I'll tell you about it in this minute. Uh, so we get Enchantress mm-hmm. snooping around. Doing the snoop, <laughs> being all sleuthy like, you know, in Skyrim when you had to like crouch and get, you know, those Bethesda games. Miming was was what got me. Yeah, yeah. that was. <laughs> she literally look. Yeah, she's, doing, she's, she's not even touching anything. She's snooping. She was like, I can't leave my uh, ancient fingerprints on this. On oh, this, what do you think <laughs> ancient book. fingerprints are like? Regular fingerprints. Do you think? Well, she probably has Moon's fingerprints. Yeah, she's got. She, she is still Jim Moon, unless the fingerprints just like. Whoop. I don't know. Different hand. <laughs> different hand. <laughs> and I, yeah, it crossed over. She grabbed her by the other hand. That's freaky. Now we're getting into some weird metaphysical thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to think about this anymore. Uh, what I will think about of how is how awful this enchantress story is progressing. It's progressing worse. It's degressing. you, dude. Okay, it's, it's certainly. I have no idea to get started. Yeah, I, I, I'll. I'm like one. My one foot is on that bus. It's taking its time. The rest of me is like this thing's not even starting. Um. So uh, Sam has actually told me a little bit about the novelization, and before he even mentioned it to me, I, I had agreed with how that started would have been a better beginning. And that is having Dr. Moon actually discover the mm-hmm. uh, the relic. Yeah, I'm right there with you. If we had more South America dealings, man, that would have been a great opening. Anyway, so how's the minute end? She's she, uh, she's telling Incubus, her brother. <laughs> Rad, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's telling Incubus that she will now build a machine that will harm humans since they worship machines. Gonna, yeah, so that, this is a... That this is a promise really I'm going to make to you guys. <laughs> I am going to save 
this episode, I'm going to try to work in as many Incubus lyrics as I can okay. into this. Pro- <laughs> like as easy as as breezy, bree cover girl. Let's well, make our it. intros and outros for this. Week. Nope, that's in- too much. Oh. That's I can't. The- I can't get behind that. Okay, I'll I can't try to work in some lyrics. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Anyway. So yeah, she. This is what I was saying. With this is why I think she's now. Like, it's defined in this minute that she is the villain of this film because it's like you go through this whole, just this minute alone is her plotting with her ancient brother about how she's going to build a machine that's going to destroy humans. And it's like, at that point, you have to be like, all right, 36 minutes in, okay, yeah, this is the villain of the film. I'll give that to you. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> but the, it, it the, still the, took 35 minutes to get here. The, e- the explanation of the evil plan, I'll give that to you. But yeah. so jump, I probably should have said it last week, jump into maybe friday's episode mm-hmm. and uh now this episode of her i'm okay. gonna call it her escape both two times now maybe three times i don't remember it's how many gonna, times i've seen this movie time. but this is my third time seeing this movie. okay so three times this quote-unquote air quote escape has escaped me <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah so like i'm just now realizing that her like getting up in the morning or at night with the chicken leg uh scene Rick flag. Yeah. yeah that whole thing her getting up in the like that should have been way more dramatic it should have been rick like freaking out like oh crap she's gone because now it's like she just poofs she's gone somewhere poof she's gone somewhere else it's like oh now i'm thinking like she's just oh sorry now i'm thinking she's just gonna poof back into the hotel room and just be like Sorry, Rick. I didn't. I did what I had to do. I'm back. Uh, I'm gonna wake up now. Yeah, we'll but get like, there because that's tomorrow's minute. Man, like it's just she's wh- out of nowhere. She's just gone, and then now you're telling me, oh yeah, by the way, she's a villain. Oh, okay. That's like <laughs> I missed. I missed that bus. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things that we'll have to talk about tomorrow, where it's like, okay, n- now I'm confused about who. Who's playing against who? Because there's there's yep. three people against each other here. Um, well, I just want to add, you know, usually the they say showing is better than telling in storytelling. Mm-hmm. In this situation, I mean, this was before our minute starts, but um, mm-hmm. but since you're talking about it, um, the fact that she she basically shows uh, flag moon in the hospital, it sort of seems like. That's one of those other um, aspects of the movie where it's sort of all over the place. It's very jarring to just switch to that. And I understand that her powers and in, in, that incorporates her powers of where making people see things, but it, it doesn't really work the well well the way they did it. There could there might have been a different way to do it, or she I guess she can't really talk to him because she doesn't speak English. It seems, but. Uh, later in the film, she speaks English. She speaks so. English. At, the, at this point, maybe she learns it throughout. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but that was a conversation we had uh, on Friday's episode for minute thirty-five. Hang, where, hang on, where hang on. You're telling me she may be able to speak English because maybe June Moon can speak English. But if she can't speak English, she still has June Moon's fingerprints. Get out! Uh-uh. <laughs> I'm not believing. Well, no, because language has to do with the mind, not the body. The f- her physical Man, form is. Nah, moon. Uh, I'm not believing mean, uh, it. <laughs> it's his Moon's physical form, but it's her mind. When they, when you know, a demon possesses a, you know, a human, they don't have the the mind of of that human. 
Uh, they still spoke English in The Exorcist. I'm gonna have to. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. Okay, get well, I never watched The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get an exorcist in here. We'll ask him a couple questions. I don't know if Father Mowry does exorcism. Oh my God! I think Constantine would think agree about with that, you. Mark. <laughs> That's scary. Hey, y'all want to know? We gotta get it from the. I I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy who knows a thing about exorcisms. So we'll bring him in. Yikes! We'll have him take a closer look. He's not an exorcism guy. We don't, we don't know yet. I ask him if he's interested. I'm pretty sure that would have come up. <laughs> I'm sure if I was a priest and someone and some other oh. priest was like, "Hey, do you want to get into exorcisms?" I'd be like, <laughs> "Yeah, I'm pretty bored. Let's, let's do something. Let's go for it. Let's learn this stuff. This is uh-huh. like someone has to be into it a little bit." Yeah, I. So, I'm just trying. To, okay, where are we? Oh yeah, the the conversation we had last Friday was. That show don't tell uh, scene where Enchantress shows Rick Flag a a dark future for June Moon. Nathan's question was: Is June Moon showing what she will do to June Moon? Is Enchantress showing June Moon? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Or is Enchantress showing a dark future that's the result of Amanda Waller? If you don't let her get away with this, like no. Well, I viewed it as a threat. As a threat? Oh, yeah, I saw I it as all, both ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's a threat, but I mean, it, it, it plays out as it could be both ways. I don't know. It, it's just, again, it, another honestly, thing that lost me. it is me. both ways. Both, like, neither one is... Sure. If you yeah. probably want to take, like, the smart kid answer, it's like, well, it's both ways. But yeah. and then it's like, I didn't expect that Either from way, this movie. Well, technically, she already does. Uh, we'll but then if the that were the film. case, why would Flag report back to Waller about what happened? Later? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. That's why. That's why it seems more like a threat. Yeah, it's totally a threat. So in this, in this, uh, in this minute, Enchantress, she's snooping around the closet. She finds this textbook, which these pages that she's looking at, um, they document the tragedy of June Moon as she went into the archaeological site and and found the the relic or whatever or she found the relic first and it became <laughs> instantly broke it yeah and first thing was to break it because she was possessed right so those pages are in the art of books if you buy the art of book you can read all those pages you can you can read exactly how they were detailing uh june moon finding it it's actually really cool to read it in that format because it actually feels like you're reading a textbook mm-hmm. like a world history textbook it's pretty neat it is neat but um, you certainly don't get that from the movie Nope, absolutely not. I think what it, it even details the uh, the chasm, the trench that mm-hmm. they, that they built. That was that was really there's a yeah. lot of the South America stuff in the beginning of that book, and it's um, it's good. You it's ever really see, good. You guys ever see the descent? No, no, no. That's that scary movie when they go. <laughs> it's go, on HBO. Oh, right, part two. The yeah. Mayan temple. It's like uh, the cave, but mm-hmm. with an all female cast. Um. And, uh, yeah, so the descent, you know, this intro that was supposed to be the introduction of how June Moon gets Enchantress, it's kind of like that. That kind of freaks me out. Yeah, there's a scene where she's like, I mean, they have behind the scene photos of what this trench looked like as she Mm -hmm. descended down into it. And it's like they put a lot of detail into that. And it's really just a one second clip in the montage of her intro. So, yeah. This book, this textbook thing that they have here in the film and the art of book, it really details her entire chapter of, you know, documenting how she came into possession and how she was possessed by this relic. So it is actually very interesting. I I implore everyone to like look into it or read it or 
I don't know, press pause here and, and read the text. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, I don't know. Just check it out. Um, but here is the, I guess, the X factor in uh, the thing that gets Amanda Waller, which is the fact that there is a second relic. Lo and behold, a second relic that has Enchantress's brother, of all things, because the first words out of his mouth is sister. And so we have to go, oh, there's a second one. And Enchantress is like, oh, this is perfect. Now I have my out. I mm-hmm. like, I don't know. You ever see the movie Contact? Yes, <laughs> I know what you're going for. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you're, where you're headed with that. It is, it is one of those things where it was like, oh, by the way, there's a second we got one. got a second one. Yeah. So that's, that's uh, I, I don't want to say lazy. And what is it where she she just phased into the closet and like this relic Amanda's is just chilling safe room. Uh, it's a safe room. We're going to assume it's yeah, a safe room. Yeah, there's a keypad on the door. Okay. Yeah, there is. So it's a safe. So it's probably okay for that thing to be in there. But then again, you're going to keep it in your, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But then again. I think it should be right next to the heart. I think Enchantress should be not allowed to phase into it. You can't. Come on. They don't know magic. You can't you can't plan for that stuff. I guess not, but I would have had some sort of you have proximity for Enchantress not to get to you, Amanda Waller, right? Like if Amanda Oh yeah, well, what was, is it? That was like, you're talking about the case beeping? Yeah. Yes. Okay, that again is Moon approaching, not Enchantress. If if Enchantress was approaching not in a physical form, then it wouldn't detect her, but it was just detecting June's body. You know, from motion detection. That's all that was. Is it just June Moon or is it all motion? All motion. Oh, okay. So you can't have the same thing for the safe room? Well, the, she has a, a lock on that. She doesn't think anyone's going to be able to get through. I guess not. Maybe that's just like, oh, I guess I'm I'm not thinking that someone's going to phase into my bedroom while I'm passed out. I was just thinking like pure proximity. Like I would want... If I don't want Enchantress to get, or June Moon, either one, to get near me, or else the heart explodes, I don't want anyone getting near the brother. Anything around, anything associated with that witch, right? You put that same idol in the same box as the heart. Yeah. Just, I mean, just what you're it. saying what is- makes sense, and Waller probably should have thought of that, but... <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just one more flaw to add. I mean, and I'm not trying to be a, a jerko maxo here but like that oh, seems joke. just like logic well hold on um, she probably also doesn't think anything of the the artifact the the statue i but she has it yeah she if has anything, it she, it should but be in she a probably doesn't she obviously doesn't know incubus is inside it she probably doesn't <laughs> suspect that it's going to release another you know it's a whole other different <laughs> question Clearly, she doesn't like rock music um <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole other question where it's now like... Plus, as far she... as, you know, as far as her phasing, you know, they I'm sure they don't have technology to, to prevent that because... That's what I was saying. They they you don't know, even... They didn't, like... You look at the, the way the generals reacted to Enchantress when they first saw her. Yeah. So, obviously, she's like this new element. You know, when Superman arrived, he was the, mm-hmm. like the first meta-powerful human being... Humanoid that they encountered. So... In the in the same by the same token, this is like their first experience with magic. It is that's what, and it's one of the things that I really enjoy about this movie. It is the saving grace for me. At least they introduced magic in this movie. 
and I'm okay with stupid mistakes like, oh, they you, didn't know. You, I don't they didn't I, know. No, magic. no, yeah, I don't have technology for that because I didn't know magic. But don't put that idol on the top rack of your closet. <laughs> put it in the box. False <laughs> bottom. Put it in the box. Just come on. Black box. Yeah. <laughs> and it's I, just come on. And I hope it stays that way because you know we have like a, we have a Wonder Woman sequel coming out that is in the '80s. So it's mm-hmm. like you those Wonder Woman films have to remain kind of covert in what yeah. she does. Like no one's allowed to know about anything metahuman related. Uh, I'm sure it could like leave evidence for a certain young uh, kid who might start to create a metahuman project. <laughs> like I'm sure that'll that could be a thing, but you can't. People can't be like, oh, look at that cheetah woman. That's a clear evidence. Oh, she's got superpowers. Yeah, that yeah. can't happen. Or Wonder Woman. Um, but yeah, it's, it's... So she... Enchantress gets this relic and then phases out into a different part of the city where we uh, meet uh, a businessman who is washing his hands and he just happens to be unlucky enough to be chosen to be... Uh, I guess incubus. Yeah, I um, believe uh, thanks to Sam, uh, we had addressed in our analysis that this guy's name is Gerard Davis, and he is disgusted by the subway restrooms, but he has to ride the subway while he tries uh, to get his way through the ranks at work. I guess I'll take it. That's <laughs> the, that's <laughs> that is the deep lore we were expecting, Alex. I'm glad you did your <laughs> homework. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's from the novelization, up. obviously. Mm, clearly. Oh, I, yeah. I, th- I think we need to read this thing. But uh, Are you sure it's just not going to give us obvious subplots like that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty clean bathroom for a subway that uh, you know someone True. would find disgusting. <laughs> um, the actor who plays this, the Canadian actor who plays this, he is also in the film uh, Immortals, which even though Immortals isn't a DC film, it's not even a Zack Snyder film, it's not even a cruel and unusual film. Mm-mm. It always seems to somehow make its way back into this podcast as we talk about Immortals. But yeah, he played a gatekeeper guardian. Cool. Like, I guess he was gatekeeping something, and this actor was in it. Um, but th- that and uh, this film are his more prominent roles in acting, because normally he is a stunt performer. Um, you know. But yeah, he, uh, he becomes Incubus. And I know we've been, I think we've already in Monday's episode, we've been dogging on this film a bit, but this was uh, one of those scenes that when I saw in the movie theater, I was starting to get a little energized about the lore that they were talking about. You know, like we, we used to be gods that used to worship Mm -hmm. us. Why have humans um, like kind of abandoned us and, and, you know, they betrayed. Yeah. Betrayed. Like betrayed. Yeah. Betrayed. Yeah, kind of kind of makes you wonder where they fit in with the, you know, the Greek gods uh, yeah. surrounding Wonder Woman. Yeah, exactly. Those kind of things that uh, this DC Cinematic Universe kind of gave us, and and more so than I think, you know, there's there's other cinematic shared universes out there, but you know, this one in particular, the DC Cinematic one, um, a lot of religions get addressed in in how they have incorporated superheroes comic book mythologies and how they've coexisted and so things like wonder woman and this film and even justice league um they've they've opened the world a lot more and they've shown that these gods kind of coexist that they are 
basically metahumans, although maybe more. I, are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? I th- I think so. <laughs> I think so as well, but I yeah. think we we're wrong. Are so, yeah, we, well, we're not. We haven't been proven right. So there's still gods. Shazam is going to have to talk about it. Something. Right? Yeah. I think. I don't know. Well, uh, they have to mention the gods that make up his name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, they have a whole to. movie without even saying anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they could. They could not. And we would be very disappointed. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, like Shazam, even Aquaman has to explain Atlantis and the seven you yeah. know, kingdoms and, and whatnot. Or they don't have to at all, right? But I would think so. Like, there's, but that's what I'm saying with the shared universes. They've done a great job of just like, like they can drop things like this, like this one minute here, and talk about how they used to be worshipped and how they used to be treated like gods. And I think it's fascinating. And stuff like this, when I saw this in the movie, I was like, yes, it took 35 minutes to get to find out that Enchantress will be the the main villain. Um, this was one of those scenes where I was like, yeah, we're getting some cool stuff. This is stuff that I want to look into later. Like, I want to find out more about them. Uh, but we can't because the film doesn't really want you to know anything. This, oh. yeah, this scene right here, yeah, this feels like something from David Ayer that was something like left untouched. Like the editing, you know, fiasco, whatever people's thoughts are about the editing of this film. Well, um, I don't know. I suspect that the dialogue between her and Incubus may have been uh, fiddled with. Think it was uh, it was shortened, or do you think? I think it, pretty much at the very least. I think. Well, my opinion is that it may have been changed. Uh, it doesn't seem very strong, and the whole machine thing seemed sort of forced. I mean, they don't explain the machine. They don't explain the machines, and. Um... I feel like it should have been at least something that, like, maybe she should have noticed while she was being June Moon. I don't know. Are you? Are they just assuming like television sets and phones, computers, <laughs> playstations, Roku? What's wrong with that? Nothing. <laughs> I had a history teacher tell me one time that um, we would be worshiping <laughs> machines. No, no, no. That if there was any, like, if we were to get, like, <laughs> we were to get just wiped out. And there was like some like sort of excavation happening of Earth, and like things still stayed the same. They would the one of the first things that people would notice is that we must have like worship black screens, like these things that you have in every almost every room and in every house and every everything. It's like that was like they would probably been like we might want to worship that, just like how we would have said like they're like a silly little pot. Yep, they probably worship that. Like that was a terrible accent. <laughs> that's what the alien said. No. Oh, that's what, what like, we say. That's what like Southern aliens. <laughs> you know those don't exist, right? <laughs> no, not, definitely not. Southern we can all aliens. hope that they don't exist. We don't want Southern aliens to exist. You guys. think no one is gonna well, look? Well, have at... you seen Men in Black? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I'm, my point exactly. Is Mark an alien? <laughs> um. Like, that's what... I don't know. Worship. So they worship machines. Was she just like, yeah, man, there's TVs everywhere, dude. Like, she went to Times Square and was like, whoa. Whoa. The worshiping machines. I mean, we, we're making machines. Like, we are... Like, if anything, they're our offspring. Like, I don't know about worshiping them. Well, like, we're going down this he, route now. I think what he's saying is sort of how, like, when we look at hieroglyphics and we 
constantly see images of the sun or whatever. You know, yeah, we, see through. We gather that they worship the sun. You know, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it, it is very interesting to kind of think about what they're talking about. You know, the the writing itself seems to have taken a step up from the usual. Like, we'll see some dialogue tomorrow that just seems kind of very like, um, as you say, like it is more tell don't show. It's like, hey, you know, okay, we'll get into it. But um, with this one, it's like the way that these two have a conversation it's like where are we it's like same world but later it's like time has passed they're talking about the way they worship machines like just the change of culture and how they were gods it it, the writing seems to be written very differently but for the better like i enjoy this kind of conversation and it this seems like something that the first two films, Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice, they would have dialogue like this that you could kind of chew on and think more about. And, mm-hmm. I, and I really enjoy that. So but as see, much you're, as we you're kinda, talking oh, about the content, I'm talking about the syntax. I think the actual lines themselves were were bad. I think they could have covered the same material, but better. And who knows? Maybe they did. And maybe it's just the editing that. Well, that's that yeah. That's short. what I'm getting yeah. at. But interesting, yeah. it's interesting how this guy's on his cell phone right before she talks about how they worship machines. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably what I was thinking. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, but see, I think the problem lies is that I'm not looking for big hidden messages like that in this film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like maybe the conversation, I'm not looking for a deep conversation that she's supposed to be having yeah. with her brother. And neither, Would it have been good? Probably. Yeah. Would it have been yeah. better? Absolutely. Yes. But I'm not looking for But it didn't have it, to so. be deep. It could have just been better. Better. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's yeah. just, uh, I, I think at one point it's like I accepted the shut down and just watch a action movie. And that's what the general audience was saying, and that's what the executives at yeah. Warner Brothers were saying. That's what everyone was asking for. So yeah. that's what they tried to do with the film was like, all right, you want the general audience type film? Well, here it is. And then same thing with Justice League. Like mm-hmm. they, I mean, they want it. The first thing she says is, brother, I've freed you. Like, that that seems very on point and, it's, and redundant. If you it's get... also like what brother? Where'd you? Whoa, hang on. there's <laughs> two of them now. And then again, it's like I I saw contact. I know how this plays out. There's two of them now. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is getting out of hand. Now yeah. there are two of them. Oh yeah, good one. Yeah, that's <laughs> Star Wars. Anyways, but yeah, it's it's still. Um, and then the, at... uh, something as simple as adding a question mark at the end of "but they worshipped us." Like, is he questioning if that they if they worship them or does he not know? Like, it doesn't make sense. There's just, I don't know. But you get what I'm saying. Like, he's saying, yeah. "But they worshipped us?" Question mark as if he doesn't know. But but they're getting at the fact that they did worship them and now they worship machines. So, what is it? Make up your mind. He should be like, but well, comma, but. They worshipped us. Right, but that's still not a question. This, uh... Yeah, yeah, it is. No, yeah, it's not a question. I'm trying to think, like, they're just, they're just bad people, right? Like, is that, is, is that the big, should that be my focus? Is that, okay, you guys are the bad guys? Or, like, should I be taking that line, but they worshipped us and being like, 
okay, so were you guys good people? Like, did you guys do anything for the humans? Like, but they worshipped us. Yeah, but did you protect them? Like, I don't get what that means. Am I basically, supposed to feel sorry for you? Basically, this is not a real dialogue. This is narrative for the audience's sake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's bad. Because it doesn't properly give exposition. I mean, just... she's saying we were gods to them. Like, what, he doesn't yeah. know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, but I do think it's cool how she comes through the mirror. That that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's so. a great it's a great visual. Like visually, it's I think it's Enchantress's scenes uh, without dialogue. They're very pretty. They're very mm-hmm. cool right. looking. It's it's like the weirdest kind of stuff you've seen David Ayer do. It's like oh, really interesting. You know, if you saw this in like a trailer, you'd be really excited to see the movie because you want to see what what's going on in it. It all looks really cool. Um, it's just, uh, you know, like the the film that we have is it's kind of hard to understand. Like, uh, what's what's the more important part? The fact that you two are free and roaming around, or this kind of a, a pat, a flashback that you guys are having a conversation about, like, or even like the evil plan that happens to be now. I will build a machine that destroys them. Um, like, it's just uh, it's a lot to take in. It's... Thirty minute, thirty five minutes in, when it's like you could have. You should have started this way. Yeah. You should have started the film this way. So we kind of cared. But uh, I think they were probably going for a, okay, this team is forming and now one of their ranks betrays them. Mm -hmm. But it just was not done well. And that probably wasn't even Ayer's plan. We, we, I guess we could ask him, right? (laughs) That's why Twitter is a thing, I guess. Uh, well, so, not God forbid that we should... ask directors their you know intent. You get people jumping on you. I mean, God forbid we see a director's uh, <laughs> film that they wanted to put out, right? That's true. Um, too. <laughs> but uh, the only other uh, kind of villain that I can think about that that relates to this is I don't know if you guys have seen X Men Apocalypse, but they kind of come back thinking, you know, why am I not being worshipped? You know, like yeah. two thousand years later or so, whatever. I don't... Mm-hmm. Not good with dates, but you know, <laughs> I'm not you gotta be. About, you gotta be nice. You gotta be. Uh, I gotta pay for the like tab. a gentleman. Yeah, yeah. open yeah. the door. Open the door for them. Uh-huh. Okay. See, there was yeah. a lot uh-huh. of hate for that movie, but I kind of liked it, and I think they pulled that aspect off way better than this. Yeah, I I left X Men Apocalypse. That was one of those films like Dawn of Justice, where well, maybe not like Dawn of Justice, but I walked out of X Men Apocalypse going, "Wow, that movie was great." And then everyone on the internet was like, that movie was god-awful. And I was like, I I, yeah. I saw the wrong movie. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was here. pretty cool. Same here. Anything, uh, I don't know. Like, My uh, only complaint uh, about that movie, as far as I can remember, was that that end scene with Jean Grey was dragged on a little bit long. Yeah, I will. Yes, yeah, that yeah. was a, the little, the last battle thing was like a little. The third act like, is, oh, is one of those okay. things where it, it's not done as well as... Dawn of Justice, where it introduces the Trinity and they, they go in for it, and it's like it is very engaging. But yeah, X Men Apocalypse's third act is, is it makes you tired at the end, exhausted. Um, but for the most part, like who Apocalypse was, where he was coming from, like his motivations, uh, this empire that he used to have, which was like a giant introductory, like that's how the film starts. It starts with like this big intro about who he is and how he basically. Uh, comes into present time like they do so much explaining about apocalypse that i feel like it's like people shouldn't it shouldn't have been easy for people to criticize 
that character. I'm like the film, the film serves the villain. Like it, he is an important character in the film. Uh, I understand how powerful he is and his four horsemen. Like I get it. I'm on board. I'm having a great time. So that's what this film should have done. And I can't remember if apocalypse came out before. I think it came out after suicide squad. Um, but yeah, like the, the way that that film started is how this film should have started so that we cared about what these two are doing right here. Um, and for me to care about it right now, even though I kind of do, it is still, I have to force it because they don't come back to this ever again. Um, but yeah, those are, that, that's my uh, closing notes on this one. You guys, that was a good one. You guys have anything else before we wrap up for today? No, man. No, I think that's it. All righty. So we're going to wrap up for today. If you enjoyed everything you heard, you can find us on all social media at DCU Minute and the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. And you can join us, other guests, and other listeners to talk about today's minute or any other minutes that you're catching up on the podcast. And we'll catch you tomorrow for minute number 37 of Suicide Squad. Bye.